0: go wrong it did and at the end of the week which I am so honored to be a part of elevate like going there to end my week there with joy and just loving what I do that really put peace in my heart but it also came to light what was going on that week and it reminded me of something that I always do. I always put scripture on post-its right I keep it all over the place. Um, If you know me I've probably given it to you once at one point. And one time, there's this one house that I go to at my job where literally it's probably the darkest home. I mean, full of sin, full of just negativity. And it's very hard to walk out of there, you know, with peace. You know, it's hard to walk out of there with being like, God, where are you in this place? And the mom of this family is actually saved. So she is something I hold on to. And one time I offered her... Words of encouragement, and I was like, Listen, it's Philippians 4 6 7 for you. Like, you need to hear this. Don't be anxious about anything. And every time I walk out of that house, this post it is on the door on my way out. So it is encouraging to me. And literally, when I see it, it when I'm walking out of there very stressed, very like, really, really, really like really wanting to give up, like, I see that post it, and I'm like, God, you are here. You're here in the darkest times. You're always with me no matter what. So this week, even though it was hell pretty much for me almost, at the end of the week, I was able to process it and be like, you were always there with me. You were always there, and there's always something good, and there's always light in this. So the scripture that I actually ended up getting at that end of the week was John 16:33, and it was, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. So let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord. And I just pray that your light continues to shine through us, Lord God, even through the darkest times. Let us be a vessel that you continue to fill, that we continue to work, Lord God. In your light, Jesus, let us never lose sight. Let us always find comfort in you, Jesus, throughout it all. And we just pray that you continue to provide every need, Lord God, in every one of our hearts, Jesus. Let us come willing to be filled in this place, Lord God, ready to receive in your name jesus amen
1: hallelujah give the lord a hand clap what a wonderful testimony you know god is in this place he's omnipresent does anyone
2: know what that means that means he's everywhere amen the church us what it takes is just to make ourselves aware
1: of his already presence amen so just lift up your hands and say, God, you are here. God, you are near. You're near me right now. Just tell him you're near me right now. See, you don't have to shout loud for him to come. You don't have to dance for him to come, even though we're going to do all that stuff right now. He's already in this place. I said, he's already in this place. He's already here. Heavenly Father, we know you are near. Heavenly Father, we sense your presence right now. And in your presence is the fullness of joy and pleasures at your right hand. (laughs) We're going to dance. We're going to praise you, God, because you've already visited us. And we love your presence. I Was Lost. I was lost with a broken heart. You picked me up, now I'm set apart. From the ash I am born. Forever safe in my Savior's hands. You are more than my words can say. I follow you, though for all my days. I fix my eyes follow in your way. cause you are you are you are my freedom we lift you higher lift you higher your love your love your love love, never ending oh 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 you are alive in us nothing can take your place you are all we need your love has set us joyful noise in this place. In the midst. In the midst of the darkest night Let your love be the shining light Break the chains that were holding You set your sun down to set the free. Everything of this world will I'm pressing on till I, I see Your face. I will live that Your will be done, and I won't stop till Your kingdom God. God. Lift up your hands and say, Cause You are, You are, You are my freedom. We lift You higher, lift You higher. Your love, Your love, Your love never ending. Oh, 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 'Cause You are. Cause you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love never ending. Oh, oh. oh. Lift up a shell. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. You are alive. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. Whoa, whoa. Let's just hear the drums. Drums. Hey, guys, I'm not plugged in right now. (laughs) go as far as this might go. (laughs) Jesus Christ, the king of all of heaven and all of earth, put on a suit that looks like a human being and he dwelt on this planet. We beheld his glory, the Bible says. The Bible says that the fullness of all the deity was in bodily form in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 now that fullness is in you the Bible says Uh somebody get excited about that that fullness is in you, 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 you so we're not going to just stand here and pretend like oh okay I'm I'm full, I'm full of God we're not going to do that, we're going to worship God with reckless abandon, amen Starting from us to the back I don't care. I want you guys to be loosed Heavenly Father in Jesus name right now. Loosen us father to praise you loosen us father To dance like you would dance To shout like you would shout to praise how you would praise Congregation are you ready? Congregation are you ready? Here we go one One, two, you are alive. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us. Come on, lift up your hands. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love. Counter three. I want to hear the loudest shout I can I've ever heard in this place. You guys, ready? One, two, three, shout! Woo! Hallelujah! Yay! You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are only your love. Has You are alive. Nothing can save your place. You are awake. Your love has set us free. If you're free, lift up your hands right now. (laughs) If the joy of the Lord is in you, put on a smile of praise. (laughs) You can praise God with your smile. Hallelujah. Oh, you are alive. You are alive in us. Nothing, nothing will take your place. Nothing will take your place. your son father of lights you've made us one you poured out your love when you poured sing that again choir father of lights you've made us one you poured out your love when you poured out your son father in this place, join with the angels and declare that he is holy, he is beautiful, he is awesome, he is marvelous, he is worthy, he is the king of kings. Lord of Lords. Come on, church. Just lift up your hands in this place and say, God, you are righteous. God, you are holy. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. It is above all names, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father oh we glorify you Lift up your hands and see. this is
3: bakho makai e robokiyana ne aba sotho maso robokote iyala ba nana maso rombo yana rebe Bako, ron de yana na na na, Bako, robo ka ka ta ta na na na, Bako, RB yana na na Oh, you are consuming fire. Our God is a mighty God. He is a consuming fire. He will burn away all the dross. See, the answer to the world is the fire of God, the consuming fire of God. Come on, the Bible says that hungry hearts will be filled, that the thirsty will be satisfied. What are you hungry for in this room today? Are you hungry for the presence of God? Are you hungry for the fire of God? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsting after? Because he says that he has water that will satisfy you. That you'll never thirst again. He has the bread of life. He has bread that will satisfy you where you'll never go hungry again. But if you turn to the world, you will never be satisfied. This is where you find your satisfaction, friends. It's in the presence of God. It's in the fire of God it's when he rains down on you come on what are you hungry for lift your hands lift your hands with me say I'm hungry I'm thirsty for you Jesus nothing else satisfies nothing else satisfies everything else is a counterfeit everything else falls short my marriage will not satisfy my children will not satisfy going to church will not satisfy my job will not satisfy only you only you only you Jesus hallelujah come on let's sing let it, rain. Let, it rain. let it rain come on let's lift our hands and say let it rain come on hungry hearts will be filled in this place
4: let it rain let it rain jesus let it rain holy ghost
3: come on the thirsty will be satisfied the thirsty will be satisfied on your people this morning that you would rain down on the city of Chicago that you would rain down on the country father of America that you would rain down on the nations of the world oh God you are the answer Jesus you are the answer come on for the next 20 seconds you know what the world is doing we see wicked all around us we see a corrupt generation what do we do when we see all these things? We lift up the name of Jesus. So that's what I want to do in this place. Let's say, Jesus, we love you. Come on, let's worship him with me. Lift up the name of we'll Jesus with you, Lord, me Jesus. for the next 20 seconds. Come on, Jesus, we love you. We're going to lift you up, Jesus. You are good, we lift you up God. over this city. We lift you up Holy, over this Holy nation. The Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah 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 Come on let's sing that one more time
1: One more time Open the floodgates of heaven.
3: your seats, go ahead and dismiss the children to the back, hallelujah, hallelujah. my name is Lauren Sciensky. I'm one of the pastors here at MPI, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. My scripture will be on the screen. It's John three sixteen. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The plan of salvation, first and foremost, starts with the love of God. It says, God so loved the world. He made a plan because he loved us. He loved humanity despite our sin, despite our wickedness. He loved us that he made a plan and he gave his one and only son to come to this earth, walk a sinless life. Though he was tempted with every temptation, he did not fall. He is our perfect example to follow, but it didn't end there. He went to the cross and died a horrible death for your sin and for mine. And then it says, whoever, whoever believes, it doesn't matter what color, what race, what nation you represent, it doesn't matter who you are, it's for the people in India, for China, in America, whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish. You are promised eternal life. In this room, if you just put your hope and your trust in Jesus and the death, burial, and resurrection, you are promised eternal life. You will not perish. That is your promise. So if you are in this room today and you have not met the Jesus that most of us have met in this room, today is the day. The one that went to the cross for your sins. He loves you and he calls you towards himself. He's drawing you this morning. So I invite you, friends, to say yes to Jesus, to see what it's like to have a transformed life, to live an abundant life full of love and joy and peace. You are welcome. During our fellowship time, we're going to have Pastor Leilani and Pastor Jared up here. You can come to them. They will pray with you, and they will tell you what the next steps is after becoming saved. If you could stand to your feet with me. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence that's in this room. God, I ask you for every person in this room that has not met you, that hasn't received Jesus as their Savior, I pray, God, that they wouldn't walk out the doors the same way they came in. I pray, God, that today would be their spiritual birthday. God, touch the hearts of your people in this room. Let your love overwhelm them today. Abba. We love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap. Well, right now we're going to confess our confession of faith. We do this every week because this is our Christian worldview. This is what we stand on, believe in, no matter what happens. So on the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in His death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone, amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbor. Say hello to someone you've never met.
4: Salvation sounds a new beginning. As distant hearts begin believing. Redemption's bid is on. Un-
5: morning come on look to your neighbor say I'm so glad you came Woo! I'm excited what a powerful time in the presence of God on behalf of all the pastors and leaders here we thank you and we welcome you for joining us this morning at Metro Praise International come on give it up for Jesus one more time We are so excited you came to join with us. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the Apostolic Elders here. And we are so excited about what God is doing in our midst, in the city, and in your lives. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then every Friday we have Elevate! At 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old, we are so proud of our youth. They're rocking it out for Jesus. A lot of them just came back from a missions trip to New Orleans, and so we're just so excited about what God is doing in our teens. How many of you guys know and believe that Jesus needs to be in our high schools and our teenagers need the Lord? Come on. We have some exciting announcements for you guys. At the end of the month, August 30th, Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., we're having our MPI baptism and barbecue come on who's excited about that and we want to encourage you if you've never been baptized or you have in the past and you walked away from the lord you want to be baptized that day so talk to your leaders your 101 leader the people that you see at your life group and say i want to be baptized invite your friends and family we want to have an awesome exciting time in the presence of god that day and we are just believing god to continue to do awesome things we also want to let you guys know that we have spanish translation available so if you have family or friends that you want to invite but you haven't been able to because you know we didn't have it now we have it so that's awesome awesome news. And we also want to let you guys know we have more t-shirts for you. So we have all different types of styles, colors, and all of the sizes are in stock. So get yours after service. They're in the back. You can see me or Pastor Griselda if you have any questions about ordering that or purchasing it. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Let's say together. Loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and we need to strive to live with that in our heart all the days of our life. And our discipleship strategy here has three steps. It's connect, mentor, and send. Say connect the back of your handouts, we have the list of life groups. The way we want to connect you to the church is through these life groups. We want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to the church. So we want to encourage you, if you're new here, you've been coming for a little bit, but you have not joined a life group, please look at the schedule. Find the time and dates that work with you and the needs of your family, and you will not regret it. We need you to be a part of a life group. There's so much happening throughout the week. It's not just on Sunday, and there's friendships there that will be built that will encourage you in your walk with God and here is a snapshot of what we have starting today for this week today we have the single men and women come on make some noise singles that are ready to mingle 18 to 35 years old 4 p.m. also today is our marriage group with child care 5 30 p.m. they're going on a date night to the botanic garden so we're excited about all of our married folk wednesday we have king's kids infant to 11 years old 6 30 here at the church if you have children drop them off it's royal rangers boys club and impact girls club they're learning about jesus they're getting discipled it's an awesome time for our children and then every Friday we have two adult Bible studies that happen. One at the Govea's house, one is at the Walker's house. They're both eighteen years and up, seven PM, childcare included. If you're an adult, you have got to be at those life groups. Come on. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism team that goes out every week. They meet at the church at 5. All ages are welcome. We want to encourage you to keep sharing your faith. Be a public witness on the street. If you've never done it, do it. It'll change your life. And Saturday, we have the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group. Come on. 11 to 18 years old meeting at the church at 6 p.m. We're just doing awesome. Who's excited about what God is doing? Who's excited about connecting? Look to your neighbor. Say, make sure you connect. Look to your other neighbor. Say, make sure it's this week. Come on. And then we want to mentor you. We have leaders ready to mentor you. Um, This is the book that we use. It's called our 101. It's Welcome to Your New Life. It's done one-on-one with leaders in the church. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples that Make Disciples. This is our leadership training class where we want to equip you and encourage you to be a leader. Uh, in the church and on your on your workplace and we want to send you out to keep winning more people for the Lord and our goal here at MPI is to have a hundred thousand disciples with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world if you believe we can do that say amen. amen come on look to your neighbor say I want you to be in that number we are not alone who's excited to learn about tithes and offerings this morning We come on, I know I am. We are on section three of the disciples giving book. It's all about stewardship. We're going through this book every week. It's 52 lessons, all about tithes and offerings and what the scriptures teach us about it. You can look on the screen. We are on section three, lesson four. Every person has been given gifts to steward. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. How many of you guys are thankful for all that God has given to you? He call, And how many of you guys know that God wants us to be wise managers, wise stewards of everything that he's given to us because he wants us to use it for his glory? We're going to be reading in 1 Peter 4.10. You could turn there with me in your Bibles or you could look up on the screen. 1 Peter 4, 10, let's read. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. How fitting that we've been in a summer of grace. God wants us to use our gifts to steward grace to the people around us in different ways. Let's find out about those ways. Here are three main points from that passage of Scripture. Number one, whatever gift you have received. How many of you guys have gifts in this room? Come on, take a moment to think about all the gifts God has given you. Your talents, job, personality, your creativity and passions. Then give God a big thank you. Let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. Number two, use your gifts to serve others. See, it's all about being the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth by reaching out to other people. Did you know that God gave you gifts to manage for the benefit of others? Not just to use for your own selfish gain. Consider each day how to use your gifts to help others and watch how God will prosper you and all that you do on the job, in your family, at church, etc. Let's take that seriously. We need to think about the gifts that God has given to us and how we can use them to bless the people that are around us in our jobs, in our families, our neighborhoods. So many things that God wants to use us to do so that He can reach the world so that we could all be in heaven with him one day. It is the good news of Jesus that we have to keep on spreading, and it's going to take us not being selfish but selfless and think about other people and managing the gifts that he's given to us so that we could touch the world around us. Number three, faithful stewards of God's grace. The Greek word for grace is charis, is actually the root word for gift, charisma, which means all God's gifts come from his grace, unearned love and favor. That is why God's gifts are not considered wages or income because they are not earned. They are simply received. Say, I receive. Therefore, be a faithful and reliable steward of all the gifts God has graciously given to you. The Bible says in Proverbs that an unreliable friend is like a sore tooth. How many of you guys had a sore, achy tooth? That is like the worst thing in the world. That is what the Bible calls an unreliable person. Let's be reliable. Let's be trustworthy. Here's a summary faithfully manage and steward all the gifts God has given you because of his grace. It's his grace that makes it possible. We can do it by his grace. Here's the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, humbly acknowledge that God has given you all of your talents because of his amazing grace. It's not by our own doing. We We couldn't even put oxygen in our own lungs. Everything we have is because of God. And number three, faithfully use your gifts to serve God by helping others. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three. Who's excited? Come on. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you believe that, confess that over your life, please stand up with me this morning. As we prepare to give God our best our very very best our tithes and offerings again here at MPI we believe that a tithe is a 10% of your total income and an offering is anything above that that is an amount between you and the Lord that goes towards missions offering or building offering and currently we are in a building fund raising monies for our lit up Metro praise international church sign look at that that's how it's gonna look come on in july we raised two thousand one hundred and sixty four dollars for a grand total of five thousand one hundred and forty three dollars give yourselves a hand clap All glory goes to God. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for believing in the vision that God has given to us to reach this city. We are all making this possible through our generosity by being faithful to the Lord and faithful to our commitment to continue to give. We are so close. We are more than halfway there, and our goal was to get it by the end of the year. We'll probably have it sooner. Praise God. We also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church with your credit or debit cards. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back with either myself or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, you can see us after service. Let's recite this together this morning this wonderful beautiful scripture Luke 6:38 Jesus said give and it will be given to you for with the measure you use it will be measured to you let's pray this morning God we thank you so much for entrusting us with all that you've given to us all of our gifts we want to be faithful and wise reliable managers and stewards of your gifts we give back to you god use this tithe and these offerings to glorify your name to bring your kingdom to this earth we ask that you save chicago use us god to reach this city the nation and all the nations of the world that the message will be preached to the ends of the earth i ask O oh lord that you bless the gift and the giver bless and prosper your people on their jobs bring them increases and raises and promotions oh lord so that we could be blessed to be a blessing in the mighty name of jesus i pray and everybody said Amen. amen and amen please come forward as you give this morning and thank you so much for your generosity
6: Good morning, good morning, buenos dias a todos. I am Pastor Roberto, soy Pastor Heriberto. Um, este, a este momento nos gustaría honrar a Flora y a su esposo, a su hijo, Jose, acaba de fallecer. pésame um, hacia uh, la iglesia y nos líderes aquí. We would like to right now take time to honor Flora and her husband, her son, that has just recently passed away, his name was Jose. And... Um, we would like to pray for them. So, our condolences on behalf of our church and the leadership here. So, if we can all please just stretch our hands as we just pray for them and close our eyes and bow our heads. A este momento vamos a orar. cerrando nuestros ojos y hacia ustedes. Padre Santo, en nombre de Jesucristo. Levantamos a Flora y su esposo. Entendemos que tienen bastante dolor hacia el fallecimiento de su hijo. Te pedimos, Dios Padre por tu sanación que tu mano los guíe que tu mano los toque que tus manos los siga guiando hacia el camino que tú tienes para ellos Dios Padre te pedimos Dios Padre que ellos sientan tu amor cuando vengan aquí y que tú solamente tú entiendes el dolor y los sanes en el nombre de Jesucristo Amén Father God I pray in the name of your son Jesus Lord that your mighty hand will heal their hearts it will lead them and guide them to your truth, Lord God. As this time, as they have lost their son and they're hurting in their hearts, Lord God, only you understand. I pray that your mighty hand will lead them, heal them, and guide them. And in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. And we want to invite you to our Bible study. Les gustaríamos invitados a nuestro estudio de Biblias el viernes a las 7 p.m. Hablamos más hacia eso, okay? Gracias.
7: I want to take this time because the son was murdered because of gangs. I want to pray for all young men that are 35 years old and younger. All young men, 35 years old and younger. Stand up with me, please. All the men. And I need you to translate. Men. We need to make a difference in this community.
2: Tenemos que hacer una diferencia en esta comunidad.
7: We need to be the brothers and uncles of this community. Tenemos que ser los
2: hermanos y los tíos de esta comunidad.
7: We need to show the young people that gangs are not the answer.
2: Tenemos que demostrar a la gente joven que las pandillas no 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 hay no perdón no se encuentra la respuesta en las pandillas.
7: On behalf of their son Jose, let us do something about the violence in this community.
2: De parte del hijo Jose, vamos a hacer algo por esta violencia, en contra esta violencia en esta ciudad.
7: We have a gang ministry that goes out every Thursday night. Tenemos un
2: ministerio a las pandillas que sale cada Cada jueves en la noche.
7: If you want to volunteer one time a month, I want you to see Pastor Berto in the back.
2: Si le gustaría participar, quiero que con el Pastor but
7: even if you can't make it, I want you to find a young person this week to begin to mentor.
2: And if
7: you don't know one, I want you to come see Pastor Ellie. Ellie, raise your hand. And he will get you one from the youth.
2: Y si no conoce a un joven, because
7: we need to make a difference in this community as men
2: because we have to make a change in this community as
7: men. Amen. On behalf of this family, we're going to commit to make a difference. Amen. De
2: parte de esta familia, vamos a hacer una difer- diferencia. Amen. Now,
7: now, if you are seated and you're around one of these men, come place your hand on their shoulders if you can. Just gently come stand around them.
2: Si usted está sentado y está cerca de un, un joven, por favor, toque, ponga su mano sobre él
7: because we're going to pray that men will make a difference in this community
2: Father
7: I pray that you will use us Padre Santo, as men como hombres.
1: to make a difference Lord Para hacer cambio, God Señor. we are not too old nos tomos, nos tomos tan viejos, Señor. that we cannot relate God we are not too busy tan ocupados, Señor. that we cannot make time we don't need no necesitamos. more more programs, más programas. More government, mas gobierno. We need, necesitamos, the power of Jesus, el poder de Jesus. We need you, Señor, a ti to change the
2: hearts,
1: of every person, de cada persona, and start with us, empieza con nosotros. Protect our children, Protégenos, Señor. Protect our police officers, los policías, Señor. Protect our schools, escuelas, Padre. Protect our families, Protégenos, nuestras familias. In Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody
7: say amen. amen. Chicago for Jesus. Chicago Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. Slap your neighbor high five and say, let's do it.
2: Saludan a su a <laughs> Just pop your shoulders like this. There you go. Uh, We're just gonna gonna make it even more weird. We're all about
1: that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace. About that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that. Sing it to your neighbor, go. We all about that grace, about that grace. Come on, look in the me. All about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace.
7: Come on, if you're about that grace, make some noise. Woo! Awesome. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, please. As you're turning there, give me some more monitor here, guys. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 2 is the summer of grace all up in this place. How many are excited? Man, it's just about learning about God and changing lives. Man, my life is being changed this summer by grace. You know, it's a theme of the Bible, so it should be a theme of our lives, you know, grace, God's undeserved, unmerited favor, God's kindness towards us, the fact that God would love us at our worst, not our best, the fact that God would take us out of our problems and bring us to the pastures that he has for us, from problems to good pastures, amen, out of the troubles of this world, out of the the hardships to the joy of the Lord. This is what we're learning this summer. If you've missed any message, go back to the website mpichurch.org and catch up because it's been a great summer of grace. And just want to thank you guys for coming and filling up the seats in the summer. We are growing and expanding. This is the largest we've ever been and we went to the second service so we can make room here and we're starting to fill up the side sections and the second service is doing well. And I just want to thank you for making this a summer of great grace amen how many love Jesus can I get a whoop what come on all right here we are Ephesians chapter 2 it's been our uh, sermon series scripture all month long all the time long we've been rocking this out God has been showing up and blowing up everybody goes showing up and blowing up amen check this out Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and onward and Berto I forgot that thing again would you please get that for me Here it is, for it is by, come on, shout it out, for it is by grace. Grace. Thank you. You have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. So no one can boast. We are God's what? handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Everybody say good works. Thank you, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want to talk to you today on this scripture, just a little encouragement every week, trying to give you a new nugget about this scripture. Today I want to talk about good works, what it looks like to do good works, how we are to live this out by grace. Now, uh, a few weeks past, I talked about the good works of husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, and singles, married people, right, young people. We went through that. But I want to talk to you today about the good work of charity, the good work of giving of yourself to others. You see, God's good work for us was to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. So if the father loved and showed his love by giving, shouldn't our primary way of showing love be by giving? Now, it's not all these giving things that we have to do for charity, but we should be giving. We should be giving. Sometimes you can give your time, and so time is not a thing. You can volunteer in the youth group, you can come on Wednesdays. Do you know that they had 60 children? Well, it's about 50 children and 10 adults helping out, maybe 40 children, 20 adults, but the bottom line is they had 60 people here Wednesday. When we did our uh, big outreach at the, at the end of every month on Wednesdays, they do a big outreach called Family Fun Night. Last Family Fun Night they had over a hundred people We're going to be doing a back to school party, and we're right now asking people to help out by giving supplies, going to the Walmart dollar store, buying some of these supplies, and donating them. See Pastor Susie in the back, or or Tina right here. Tina, wave your hand. So you see, that's a way of giving charity. It's like giving your time. Show up, help, Uh, give school supplies. You can do that. The youth group—they just took a mission trip to New Orleans. They were down in the south, y'all, and they had some fun. You can talk to Brian. Brian, wave your hand and. Some of the other young people, Julian in the back. Matter of fact, Julian, why don't you come up and tell us about something good you guys did out there because I know you guys gave your time. You know, people taking summer vacations, going to the beach, Six Flags, et cetera. Julian took your time, you took your time to give to the people of New Orleans. What was something that stood out in your life?
2: Um, something that just stood out when going to New Orleans was, You know, that we went out there and we literally left it all on the streets. We went out at least two times a day for five days a week. You add that up, that's ten times. That's all of our hours. You know, we went out there to preach the gospel, and that's exactly what they did. And it was so encouraging to see the youth and the students out there and just leaving it on the streets
7: for Jesus and doing what they got to do, the Great Commission being fulfilled time. You gave your energy, your passion. Thank you, sir. So you guys can not only help on Wednesdays after school, uh, um, not after school, but go back to school things. We're also doing a back to school party on the west side. See, we pick up young people from the west side and bring them Wednesday. About 20 kids get in our vans and we're going to be doing a back to school party at Ohio Park, which is on Cicero, right by Chicago uh, Avenue. Cicero in Chicago going to the west side for Jesus. And you can talk to Pastor Sue Ellen again about getting involved. All this is on Facebook. So you can help out on Wednesdays. You can go to the back-to-school party we're going to have out there. You can also join our Friday night youth group. You can come by volunteering, like some of the men that we were talking about joining the gang ministry on Thursdays. You could come on a Friday by talking to Pastor Ellie. Maybe just coming early, staying late, making sure the security is good. We have the basketball goals set up there. You know, I was walking around the uh, the neighborhood Wednesday and I saw some teenagers, and they were playing with this raggedy old basketball hoop, and it almost was falling over every time it was going to, you know, they were going to put the ball in, and you know what, I invited them to come, but I could tell they were nervous, you know, because they didn't know anybody here, but you know, growing up around here, there's not really a park close by they can play basketball, and even a lot of times if you're close to a park, that's a lot of times where the bad things happen, right, so you know, I invited them to come, but I could tell they were shy, I would love to see people volunteer on a Friday and say, Pastor, I'll come, you know, if it starts at 7, I'll come Come at 5 and I'll go out there and I'll invite them. I'll go and knock on the door of the parents' house. I'll show you where the house is if you want to know where the house is. And so that's a way you can volunteer and you can help out. Not only can you volunteer and help out with what the church is doing by doing good works, you can do good works on your job. You know, every job has a system in ways that they help the customers, they help the clients, and they help the people that they're servicing. You can look at your act of charity as going the extra mile, doing things that you may not be getting paid for. You may have to sometimes do that, and you can show your love. You can show that God is on the inside of you. Everybody say good works. So just briefly in today's introduction, I want you to see that Good work should flow naturally from your lives, and maybe I'll just end with one more example. How many like barbecues? How many like ribs? How many like you know, uh, hot dogs and uh, sausages and steaks? I just had a steak yesterday. This is my di- this is my diet uh, for the weekend. Steak yesterday and ribs today. Woo, woo. I am a meditarian, Praise God, I am a meditarian. You know. Uh, what what better way to do acts of charity, a good work than just simply invite your neighbor over for your barbecue. I literally have a phone full of texts and Facebooks of me going back and forth with my neighbors every time I'm doing something. It's like, hey man, just come on over. Come on over. You know, because I want to have that impression on them that I'm there to make a difference in their life. Another family, they live right by our favorite place to get custard. Does anybody know what custard is? It's like the next level of ice cream and there's this place that's really well known and every time I pass by their house or I know I'm going to be passing by the house I always want to ask them hey do you want to meet meet me and my family for custard and we've already met one time and we're going to do it again it's on the desk where my pins are at sir thank you I want you to see that you can make a difference by just inviting people to your house to eat what you're already preparing isn't that cool you can make a difference so whether it's finding something to volunteer in here in the church or whether it's going going the extra mile on your job, or reaching out to your community. Everybody say, good works. Amen. Now do me a favor. Open up your Bible to 1 Peter 5. Put on some background music for me, Ellie, quickly. I have the scripture up here. Leave it up for me, please. First Peter chapter 5. As I walk over here and get my laser. In my pocket. (laughs) There it is. Woo! Thank you, Pastor Berto. A little embarrassing there. I want to talk about grace for humility or humility for grace. You see, grace comes to the humble, and the humble have grace. It goes synonymously together. Humility for the grace-filled and grace for the humility filled. If you're full of grace, you're gonna be humble. If you're full of humility, you're gonna be full of grace. You see, the people that are most easily agitated, they're the most prideful. That's why they don't give grace to others. You see, you being easily agitated, always being annoyed, fathers with your kids, husbands and wives with each other, uh, people on your job. If you're the one that's always easily agitated, that's a symbol you have pride. But if you're the kind of person that is easy to forgive, easy to forget, easy to move on, and it's easy to overlook offenses, you're walking in humility. Humility and grace go hand in hand. Everybody say humility and grace. So today we're going to be talking about grace for the humble. Grace for the humble. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Everybody say, submit yourselves. You see, I could try to make you submit, but the Bible says, submit yourselves. That's the difference between us and another religion. They also believe in submittance, but they want to submit you. They want to submit you. Right now, radical Islam is trying to submit the Middle East. They're trying to make people Muslims. That's how they do it. And if they don't convert, the people will be set on fire, drowned. These are the things we're seeing. Beheaded. Are you with me? That's why we're almost going to war right now. We're we're mounting up. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. Pray for your nation. Pray for our soldiers. Amen. And pray for the well-being of those in those countries, and that's why I, I wear this. We talked about Christian persecution when uh, Jim came from Australia, and he was wearing this, and he gave it to me, and it's a, uh, a bracelet that looks like a barbed wire fence, and it reminds me to pray for the Christians who are being persecuted because they're being told in Islamic countries, either you submit to Islam or we take your life, we take your freedom. Somebody say, God, have mercy. Amen. Isn't that serious? So in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elder, Christian uh, to your elders. Christianity is about you submitting, you making the choice, you with the free will. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility. Everybody say, clothe myself with humility. Did you put on your humility this morning? Or did you put on that attitude? Come on, what are you going to put on Monday when you get into traffic, heading to work? You're going to clothe yourself with humility, or are you going to clothe yourself with an attitude? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Now, watch this, because God opposes the proud but shows favor. And that word favor, right here, this word favor is the exact word for grace. Most translations have grace, but this one says favor. But God opposes the proud but shows grace to the humble. Everybody say, humble yourselves. See, he says it again. Humble yourselves. Here, submit yourselves. Here it says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you ever battle with anxiety? Do you ever battle with fear? Do you ever battle with inward worry and tension? That is a form of pride. It's a form of pride. Now, I have compassion for you because I can relate to those kinds of anxious thoughts and different things, but I want you to hear me today. It's a form of pride. God is saying, you don't have any cares in the world if you cast them on me. God is saying, every care you have, you should cast on me. And I heard one person say, you know what we do? We want to take on our cares and give God our responsibility. When God gave us responsibility and told us to cast our cares on him, Yes, there's responsibilities, and yes, there's cares in life. We are only responsible for what God has told us to do. Therefore, everything else we're to cast on Him. So don't hold on to your cares and cast off your responsibility to God. Hold on to your responsibility and do what God told you to do and cast your cares on Him. And what that looks like is, like, let's talk about right now the future. I have no way of knowing who's going to be president, whether our country goes to war or how the economy is going to be. So I need to cast that care upon God. I need to cast the care of the finances of this church upon God. But I will be responsible to do all that God told me to do. Are you with me? Now listen to this scripture again. In the same way you are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows grace and favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. See, we want to talk about the relationship today of grace and humility. When we look at grace, this is a great definition. We're looking at grace God's undeserved favor. I don't deserve his favor. I don't deserve his kindness, but he gives it his love, his help, his enablement, and it's made available through Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus! Woo! Come on, given to believers by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because of God's grace, we can experience his mercy, forgiveness, and the power to fulfill the God kind of life. How many want to live a God kind of life? Amen. I want to live the life that God has for me. Not on Barely Get Along Street next to Grumble Avenue. I want to be on Praise Lane, amen? I want to be on Prosperity Avenue, amen? Praise God. Now look at what humility is. Write this down if you've never had a good definition of humility. Here it is. Humility is a submitted attitude. Everybody say it starts in the attitude. Philippians chapter 2 talking about the incarnation of Jesus coming in the flesh from heaven to earth how many know that took a lot of humility for him to take on flesh to be limited by matter space and time as the eternal God he came to live like one of us imagine the humility it would take for you to be an ant and now multiply that times a a billion for God to become man the Bible says let this attitude Philippians chapter 2 let this attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus let this mind Let this attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery to be equal to God but lowered himself taking on the very form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. So how much more if Jesus had the attitude of humility to not only become like his creation but to let his creation crucify him, how much more so should we have that attitude? It is a submitted attitude towards God and man in which a person rightly knows their identity, the commands they are to obey, and the life they are to live. Everybody say, my identity, my obedience, and my life. So just think about that definition. Humility is not walking around going, I'm so ugly. Nobody loves me. I'm, I'm not smart. That's not Humility. That's a form of pride, as you're going to learn here today. That's self-abasing pride. You don't know who you are. God made you beautiful. God made you fearfully and wonderfully made, uh, the Bible says. And God has a plan for your life. So putting yourself down is not humility. But then raising yourself up above others, saying, I'm better than everybody else. Everybody look at me. A lot of the music industry, TV industry says, look at me. I'm better than you. That's self-adorning pride. That's not knowing who you are. So you should know your identity. Who are you? Well, for me, I'm a father, so I should act like a father. That's being humble. It's being humble. It's not walking around going, I'm not a good father. No, I better be a good father, know that I'm a good father, and act like one. That's humility. Be a good father. I should be a good husband. I shouldn't walk around going, I'm a terrible husband. You just know how men are, baby. You know, we, we can't help ourselves. We're lazy sometimes. No, I need to know my identity in Christ. God called me a new creation. He said I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I need to reflect that and honor my wife as Christ does the church. That's who I am. Amen? And that's being humble. Amen? So it's humble to be who God called you to be. It's actually pride to resist it. Another way of looking at humility is the opposite of pride. And what is pride if you want a simple definition? A disagreement with God. Pride is a disagreement with God. God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, I called you to be a mighty warrior. And Gideon said, no, I can't do it. That's pride. See, God says you could do it. You say you can't. That's a disagreement. That's pride. Another example, God's in heaven, he gets all the worship. Satan says, I want some worship. I disagree with God getting all the worship. Bible says he fell from heaven faster than lightning. That's pride, disagreeing with God. God says, I want you to wait to have sex before your marriage. You say, no, I want to get it on now. That's pride. You're disagreeing with God. Humility is coming in alignment with God. Pride is a disagreement with God. When we look at obedience, all of us have roles to play. All of us need to be obedient to the places that we are. It's, it's a good thing to be obedient to the police officers and the laws of this land. It's good for uh, the, the police and the military to be obedient to the Constitution and so forth. So we have obedience as a form of our humility. When you're on your job and you're not obedient to the time they want you to be there, to the tasks they want you to do, you're in disagreement not only with them but with God because God said work and do, as, uh, do all things as unto me. Can I get an amen for somebody in here? Come on, act like you want to go to your job and do the right thing. Amen? Now, you may say, well, you know what? I'm not nobody's slave, and they're not my master. They're not going to tell me what to do. It ain't worth all that. Well, you know what? You have the wrong attitude. You're going to wonder why you're at that position because you're not going to get a promotion. You're not going to succeed until you understand you're there to serve people. And you're there to get the job done. Now, you may say, well, I have a wicked taskmaster uh, over me. Well, then ask God, do I need to find a new job then? Amen? And leave in respect and honor so at least they can say they left the right way. Hello? Don't just show up at your job and be like, these boots were made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. And I'm going to walk all over you. I'm going to leave this job and praise the Lord. I'm a Christian. No, obedience follows you everywhere you go. You should have an obedient attitude in society, and the culture. Some of my biggest convictions, some of the things that the Lord deals with me the most is when I don't treat other people the way I want to be treated. Talking to people on Comcast. I just, I, you know, I just know one day we're going to have people that work at Comcast at this church, and they're going to say, Pastor, we've heard about you there. There's a picture of you in our wall that says whenever this person calls, you just hang up on them because they're so mean. I I just know it. I I mean, one time this pastor told a story. He pastors a large church, you know, where he couldn't know everybody, and his weakness was the airline. You know, how many of you get frustrated sometimes flying? It just just doesn't go right. They always treat you like your cattle getting pushed into the cattle car. You you sit like this, you know, it's just crazy. So he was losing his temper at the front desk, and he was saying, you messed up my flight. Now I'm going to be late to where I'm going. You guys never do it right. And he's losing his temper, and all of a sudden the lady goes, is that you, pastor? <laughs> pastor, is that you? And then he looks at her. They make eye contact. Kind of, and she goes, I go to your church. I, I love you. And then immediately he changed his tone. You know, he's like, well, let me talk to you a little nicer now. And the Lord convicted him and said, oh, man, I wouldn't treat my mother this way. I wouldn't treat my friend this way. Why am I treating this worker this way? Does everybody get that? And then lastly, live the kind of life that you're supposed to live. That's humility. Every one of us needs to look at the schedule, the day-to-day operations of our life, and be humble enough to ask God how we should do these things how we should live out our lives, how we should look at the people around us, really making time in our prayer life to ask God for the life that he wants us to live. All of us have to make those decisions. It doesn't come easy for me, but by the grace of God, I am doing it, and I feel convicted when I don't. How many of you feel convicted when you break some of these these things here? You don't obey God, you don't talk right, you don't live right? Okay, that's a good thing. That's conviction, amen? God is trying to show us who we need to be. Now let me give you some one-liners so you guys can maybe uh, remember humility in an easier way. In the kingdom of God, you got to go down if you want to go up. You cannot try to step on people on your way up in God's kingdom. Now remember, every kingdom principle is also a principle of this world because God owns the world. Are you with me? So whose world is this? This is God's world. This is not Donald Trump's world. This is God's world. Amen? This is God's world. And so he makes the rules. Now let me just preface this. As saying this, not all the time do people want to acknowledge good works, okay? And the Bible is full of people doing the right thing and being mistreated. There was a guy named Joseph in the Bible. He did the right thing. He got betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit. He then was sold into slavery, and he worked for Potiphar. And then the woman at Potiphar's house, the wife, betrayed him, said that he tried to sleep with her when he didn't, and then they threw him into prison. So he went into a pit by his brothers, into Potiphar's house by the slaves, and then uh, being sold as a slave, and then he went into prison by someone lying about him. But he never let himself get bitter. He always got bitter better so don't let people change you from the inside out you change the world you change the world from the outside in start in here inside out you change and now as your change impacts the outside let it change them on the inside you understand i am changed from the inside out and i change the world from the outside in don't let them take away your principles. In this church, we have sergeants. In this church, we have police officers that work in some of the toughest communities and areas, been to war. And we still teach these same principles because the best kind of military, the best kind of police force, the best kind of nurses. We have nurses and people working in health care. And I've been around it and watched, uh, you know, as I've been, we've had four kids, so I've been in the hospital quite a bit watching these nurses. And I've seen how people mistreat nurses and healthcare care professionals. Are you with me? But don't let that change who you are on the inside. Amen. If you want to go down, or excuse me, you, know, you need to go down if you want to go up. Serve people. That's what that really means. Be humble. Here's the next one. If you want to be first, you need to be last. You see, this church looks to me as a pastor. But before you ever looked to me as a pastor, I was on my knees scraping the gum off this floor because it used to be a dollar store. And then before that, it was a restaurant. See, I had to go down to go up. I had to earn your respect. I had to be last so that now I could be first as an example. And it's the same thing in your life. We need to acknowledge that every time we try to rush ahead and do it to the hindrance of people, God is not honoring that because we wouldn't want anybody to do it to us. We need to think of how are others going to take us and what we're doing to them. The next thing that we learn is right on this same thing is the greatest leaders are the servants of all. Now ask yourself this as we're coming into the primaries and uh, get, getting there for the Republican Party and the pretty soon uh, you know, these uh, p- um, parties are going to start voting for who their candidates are going to be. Ask yourself this question. Do you want a dictator as a president or do you want somebody with a servant's heart? Now you want somebody that's strong. You want a leader. You want somebody that can get the job done, right? You're not going to want somebody that just gets pimp slapped everywhere they go. But at the same time, do you want somebody that dictates and demands and mistreats you or do you want a servant? Now, all of us here who want to be leaders, how many want to be a leader on their job, in their family, in their community, all right? So the rest of you are going to be our followers then? Okay, that's all right. I'm just going to ask the question again. How many of y'all want to be leaders in line? Okay. Those of us who want to be leaders, we need to be servants. Parents, we need to lead by example by serving our children. If we're always cleaning for them, cooking for them, taking care of them, and serving them, we now can ask them to obey us. But if we neglect them and don't take care of them, do you think they're going to respond well to our requests? Do you think if a parent is negligent to their children's need that their child is going to grow up and say, I had a great mom and dad? No, as a matter of fact, the kind of parents that I see are easily angered and abusive at times and, you know, go beyond the limits of good discipline. It's because they themselves don't want to serve their children. Their children are a burden to their life. And that's not the way God created The same thing with marriage. If you want to be a great leader, husbands, all the husbands look up at me and all men who want to be husbands, amen, serve your wives and watch how they'll look up to you as a hero. But if you come in demanding from your wives their respect, they're going to begin to look at you as an abusive person, or at least someone that doesn't touch their heart. They'll begin to shut off their heart from you because you're not leading in love. We need to be loving leaders. Now, please, don't check out on me and say, this is just a pie-in-the-sky mentality. I'm telling you, these are the greatest attributes of leadership, not only in the Bible, but in the world. I believe that, my friends. Next thing that we see is number four, a one-liner here. Pride comes before the fall, and humility comes before success. Every time, just sit back and watch your favorite entertainers. At the height of their career, if they let their pride consume them, they will fall. 50 Cent just filed for bankruptcy after making tens and tens of millions of dollars. Now, some people say he's doing it for his own purpose. He may come out on top, but it just blew my mind because I know he made close to $100 million with the Dr. Dre Beats deal and the headphone set. But you have to understand, he just filed bankruptcy. Now, I'm not looking down on somebody for that because I know that people have gone through that, but I'm here to say that you have to watch out when you think you stand lest you fall. Never let pride take over your identity. Always remain in a humble position in life, not only here in church, but everywhere you go. The moment you start to think that you're the baddest at what you do, that no one can be better than you, that you deserve everything you have, somebody is going to take it or you'll give it away by losing your self-control. Prideful people lack self-control. Think about that. It's not just in the streets when you see the homeless person losing self-control of their addiction. It happens downtown every day. There are people right now losing their jobs, losing their money, losing their marriages because they cannot control themselves. The success that comes from God is one that is humble. And a lot of times you will not see success in humility and people around you who are in pride will be seeing it faster than you and you'll get discouraged and you'll think that you'll want to change plans. I'm not saying don't be aggressive, I'm not saying don't be competitive, I'm not saying don't give your best, but what I'm saying is do it in humility so that you can have lasting success, amen? Here's another one-liner. They're all found online, of course, if you can't write them all down. Here's what I was talking about before. It's a little bigger, but a little bigger of a a sentence here. Humility is neither self-abasing or self-adorning. That means humility is not putting yourself down or trying to exalt yourself above others. Both of those are pride. So humility is neither of those. It is knowing who you are in Christ and doing what he said you could do. Amen. How many want to be humble? Amen. Let's look at the three ways that Peter taught us to be humble. Going back to that passage, he said, Submit yourselves to your elders. Everybody clothe yourselves with humility towards others. And humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. The three areas we need to be humble are in the church, with each other, and with God. Now, the Bible has a reason for order. I believe in this instance, the reason why the first one comes up is elders is because Peter is speaking to the church and he's letting them know, if you want to test your humility and grow in humility and you want to be a great, humble person, start in the church. You see it's easy for all of us here to shout me down as a pastor and go, "Yeah, I want people to be humble in life. I want people to be nice to me. I don't want a prideful wife." You know, it's really easy to be like that. But can you start somewhere right now in church? Can you start somewhere and acknowledge what an elder is, what they do and begin to submit to them? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Look at your neighbor and say, "It's going to get real." <laughs> it's going to get real. Now, it's not going to get so real that's going to be meddling and get crazy, but it's going to get real. Amen? Now, any time a guy has the microphone telling you to submit to him, you need to be careful because you may be in a cult or in a dictatorship, but I want to say this in all humility as your pastor because I'm commanded to teach this. I'm commanded to teach submission to elders. As a matter of fact, when we went through a sermon series earlier on in this year and we talked about submission to the elders, I didn't even preach it. I had Pastor Burlo and his wife preach it because I want you to see it's not just one elder, there's multiple elders. Now, if you're new to a church like this, look at the passage, Hebrews 13, 17, then look up at me, please, because if you're new to a church like this, you may not know who elders are. Elders are the biblical leadership of the church. Some of you might have come from a Roman Catholic background and you called the leaders priest. You'll never find that term in the New Testament. The only time you'll see the word priest is when the Bible says, we are all priests in the kingdom of God. And what that means is, we are a people that can go to God on our own, we don't need someone to do it for us. But you'll never hear a leader called a priest in the New Testament. The Old Testament had priests. Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament separated the veil uh, or tore the veil in the Old Testament in the temple that kept us from doing what priests could do and said, now everyone can do what priests do. Amen? But the role is elders. Everybody say elders. Elders. And as a matter of fact, gentlemen, just go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, because I, I, I see in my spirit right now as I'm looking at you that I feel in my heart, rather, say it that way, um, that I think I need to explain this just a little bit more of what an elder is, and then I'll tell you what we do as elders. But 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, here is a trustworthy saying, verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder desires a noble task. Now the elder or overseer must be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well, see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner full, uh, worthy of full respect. If anyone can't manage their own family, how can they take care of the household of God? He must not be a new or recent convert, otherwise he'll fall under the judgment of the devil he must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace in the devil's trap. And then you see the next one there says, in the same way, what? In the same way, deacons. Everybody say deacons. So the two main leadership roles in the church are elders and deacons. Now you may ask yourself, well, where do pastors come from? Go quickly with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to give you a little bit of understanding of ecclesiology. Everybody say ecclesiology. Ekklesia is the Greek word for church. Ekklesia is the Greek word for church. Ecclesiology is the study of the church. So I'm going to give you guys a little definition here and a little bit of help of leadership. Is that okay? You see the two main offices of the church are elders, also known as overseers. Another word would be bishop. Bishop, elder, overseer, all the same in the New Testament, and the word deacon. Then when you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that when Christ ascended, he gave the church these five gifts, apostles, what's the next one? What's the next one? The next one? And teachers, and they're to equip the people for works of what? Service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So simply see it as this. There are two offices and there are five gifts. Two offices, five gifts. Now, you can look at it like this. Two main positions in the church with five different job descriptions. So what we are is elders and deacons. What we do is apostle, plant churches, prophets, have visions and dreams and words for the church, evangelize and speak to the nations, pastoring, shepherding. Pastor and the word shepherd are the same thing. Um, and I think that's very similar in 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 uh, Spanish. A pastor taco is a a shepherd's taco, right? And it's made out of what? Pork. It's made out of. Well, that absolutely means nothing, other than it just confused everybody. So a pastor taco has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but they are good. And if you're making them today, please include me in. So once again. Elders and deacons are the two positions. These are the five job descriptions of what elders and deacons will do. They will plant churches. They will be prophets. They will be evangelists. They will be pastors. They will be teachers. Now let me just share this with you real quick. I'll go here. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Remember where we got our text from today. 1 Peter chapter 5. And you'll see how an apostle, someone who does the apostolic work, is also an elder here. And they're shepherding. So I'll show you right here. See it says... To the elders among you, this is Peter talking, Peter who was an apostle, he says to the elders among you I appeal as a fellow what? Elder. So an elder was who he was, an apostle is what he did. He also called himself an apostle, and that's okay, and you can call yourself an evangelist, you can call me pastor, but really what we are in the church as leaders is elders and deacons. Elders are the primary teaching leaders, and the deacons are the primary helpers and servants. The word Elder just means older, mature leader. The word deacon, dekanos, it just means servant, helper. It actually has the same word as waiter. So servant in the uh, that time would be like a waiter. It would be like the same kind of word. So everybody say elders and deacons. Now what do they do? They, they're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Are you guys with me? Okay. Now let's go back to Hebrews thirteen seventeen of this scripture. Peter is talking here in this passage. He says, I want you to submit to the elders that are there. Now, in our church, we have a way of ordaining and appointing elders. So how does someone get to become an elder? Another group of elders appoints them. How did those elders become elders? All the way back to the time of Peter. Now, once again, you've heard that logic before, and that's with the Pope in Roman Catholicism. There's a Pope, supposedly, that goes all the way back to Peter. Well, that's a lie in two different ways. Number one, Jesus never called Peter a Pope. He just said upon him he would build his church, and then upon anyone that would have the faith of Peter to believe Jesus is the Messiah. So the church is not built upon popes. It's built upon disciples like Peter. That's the first thing. The second thing is the pope has no position in Paul's writings. And Paul is the most governmental, organized writer of the New Testament. And he never says there's popes, elders and deacons, bishops and cardinals and people who wear funny hats. When he says this is the leadership of the church, no offense, we all have Catholic relatives. Okay, we can all laugh at ourselves. Okay, it's okay, relax. You're in church. It's okay to laugh. Okay, here's the thing. That's not what Jesus said, though. Okay, I love everybody. That's just not what Jesus said. Through Paul, Paul's getting his instructions from Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and then through the Holy Spirit, he wrote an inspired scripture. He said there's only two things to do in the church, as in the job positions. That's elders and deacons, First Timothy chapter 3. If you can find the role of pope, cardinal, any of those things, come show me. Can I get an amen? Okay, so how do we do it? Well, it started with me being appointed as an elder when I left Bible college. The elders there appointed me to be an elder. I then came here as an apostle starting this church about 10 years ago. Then I did exactly what uh, Paul told Titus to do. So let me just show you. Everybody turn to Titus chapter 1. How many love working the Word? Let's get physical, physical with the Word. Let's get physical with your Bible, physical, physical. One person laughing, it must not have come across the way I was thinking it would come across. Probably came across the wrong way, but we'll just keep moving. So Paul is talking to Titus. Paul says to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what I left unfinished and appoint what? Elders in how many towns? Every town. And the elder must be blameless and all these things that he had said to Timothy. So I had a Paul in my life, and I was like Timothy, Timothy. Brother Anthony in Bible college, you'll see him here. He's been around a bunch. Uh, he appointed me as an elder, and I'm an elder now. So I come here, and what am I supposed to do? And now that I'm in Chicago, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to appoint elders. So if you are an elder in this church, would you please stand up, and you'll get to see elders. We allow elders in this church to also be women. So you'll see the wives with them. Now as they're standing, I want you to understand what they had to do to become an elder here. They went through the 101, and they went through the 201. Whenever all of you are asked to do that, you graduate as a deacon, which means a helper in the church. How many want to be leaders and to help out, right? You want to be a leader and help out. But if you now want to be a teaching leader, have a life group, you want to begin to have the ability to pray for people at the altars and uh, you know, be a part of the church and the decisions that are made, you have to show yourself to be these things. Then the elders who have already been appointed, like me and my pastor, we started to appoint elders until I had enough to where now we can appoint our own elders. Does that make sense? A group of elders together is called a presbytery. More than one elders. Presbytos is an elder, okay, that's in the Greek. Now, uh, episkopos is an overseer, a bishop, okay. These are the ones that are here as pillars in the church. Everybody see this pillar here, this pillar there, and a the pillar over there. Everybody say, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, they are like pillars in the church. There's never going to be an overwhelmingly Amount of elders in the church. About 10% of our church probably is elders right now. And if the church becomes to be a thousand, we'll have a hundred elders. Are you with me? Becomes 10,000, we'll have. A thousand elders it becomes a hundred thousand which the goal is we'll have ten thousand elders elders can do the role of pastoring but we distinguish between what a governing elder is and a pastoral elder based on if they go to Bible college if they go to Bible college in our culture it's not in the Bible but in our culture that means you're a working professional in your profession how many believe in college and education Amen. But these are governing elders and pastoral elders. Can we give it up for them? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, you'll learn these things when you come to Bible study and different things, but that's not the most important part that we need to catch here. What we need to see is what the Bible is teaching us to do. Hebrews chapter 13 now is the scripture. Can we all go there, Hebrews 13? Can I get Vinny, or uh, rather um, Jason, to come to the keyboard, please? Hebrews 13 verse 17. Look at what it says here. Have confidence in your who leaders and submit to their authority because they do what? Keep watch over you as those who must give an account, as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will not do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. so There's innies and outies. Everybody say innies and outies. Just like belly buttons, innies and outies. There are people here that are outies, but you come to the church. Meaning you're not in the Bible studies. You're not doing the 101 or 201 discipleship. And so our authority probably doesn't mean much to you. You may have us do your weddings, your baptisms, your children's work, uh, you know, nursery work. But you're not really going to listen to us or take a lot from us. That will be to your own detriment. You will not grow spiritually that way. God designed the church to grow among elders. Shouldn't there be somebody here smarter than you before you got here? And I don't mean smarter like an IQ test because trust me, I'm not good at those. I had to take one to get into my doctorate and I felt really humbled. Like, I needed, I think it was like I needed a score, a 300, and I had like a 302. And it was like, yay, pastor made it. But, uh, uh, you know, it was pretty tough. I'm not going to tell any names, but one of our brothers here had to take it twice, and that's okay to get into his program. But the idea is I'm not, in the IQ sense, really smart, but wisdom, right? Wisdom comes from the application of knowledge. I have been applying the knowledge of being a husband and, and a father, been serving God for twenty years, so shouldn't that be something admirable? Shouldn't God have done something in me, right? I'm getting a doctorate, have studied, have a master's, and all of those things could could be faked. But if it's done real, shouldn't it be respected, right? The elders that are here, they've gone through the classes. They've been trained. They're they're humble. They're serving my wife and I. And when we have guest speakers come, like Pastor Grogan, they sat and were trained by him. And by the way, just continue to pay, pray for Pastor Grogan and Stone Creek Church as they're praying for us. Ever since Pastor Grogan has been here, he has not stopped texting Nancy and I. We're praying for you every Sunday before we come to church. Isn't that amazing? That makes me feel so loved to know that they're, amen. Let's give it up for that. That makes me feel so loved to know that someone with his great success would care about me. And I hope that you feel cared about. Now, let me just quickly say this. Your submission to us is never to be beyond what you feel God is telling you to do. That's it. You have the ultimate decision. And we're not to meddle into your personal life. You know, sometimes people come up to me and they say, uh, Pastor, should I date this person or this and this and that? As you'll notice, we don't preach on that. We don't talk about that. What, what I do is speak in general terms and let you pray as a priest unto God and get the specifics, amen? If he's not saved, that's a no from the Bible. But, but I'm talking like when you're asking me, should I date this one or that one? You know, I have no, I don't know. Do you want to know which one I like, especially like when the girls come and they're like, you know, I look up to you like a father and, and that's cool. And I get that, you know, but it's like, I'm like not even old enough to be like your uncle yet, you know, and it's like, I want to, I want to respect that too. Cause some of you do have fathers and mothers and we just, we don't want that to be weird in this church. Okay. But so if you come up to me and ask me that, just say something, here's a better way to ask me. Pastor, I'm looking at this young man or young woman. What is some advice you would give me? And then I'll give you that advice. Amen. Um, We will never meddle in your family if we ever do. Elders have a way of correcting other other elders. When you graduate from our 201 and you become a part of the leadership of this church, you see that we have a problem solving uh, strategy. You can request it. We'll send it to you. And it basically says if any person here ever has a problem with an elder. They don't go to the elder by themselves and confront the elder because already the elder has an authority intimidation factor. So we never ask you to try to defend yourself to the elder by yourself. This is always the way we ask you to hand it, and that's why the Bible says further in Timothy, if you have a problem with an elder, come with two or three witnesses. We say go to another elder as if they were like your lawyer and tell them what happened. Then that elder will defend you or reprove you before the other elder and that will be a meeting of the elders are you with me so Say, God forbid if one of our elders ever touched a young lady or did something inappropriate. We're not asking you to go confront that elder. Come to the other elder-like-ish right here and say, oh, my goodness, some elder, when they were, you know, at the ministry. They touched my booty. They they touched me. He's going to get upset about that. He's going to call a meeting immediately, and we're going to find out if that's true or not. Are you listening to me? We're going to defend you. But if you come to us and say, will I go to the single mom's life group, and Lauren said something I didn't like, and I'm really upset with that, and she shouldn't have said that, we're going to reprove you. We're going, to, we're going to defend you or reprove. Then we're going to say, that's dumb. Come on, just get over it. Go talk to her and ask her how you can change to understand her better. But look at yourself in the submissive role. Because think of it this way. If every time an elder had somebody not like what they said, if, I, if I'd said to you, every time you don't like what I say, come talk to me, do you think I could actually do the work of the ministry? But if you want to express yourself to me, here's how you can teach me without teaching me. Here's how you can do it. Or suggest, tell me the things you like and that will help me know to do that more. Right? Don't tell me to stop doing certain things because that's just going to make me want to do it. Amen? Like, Pastor, I don't like it when you sing at the end and you try to be like they are in the black church. I don't like that. Now, nobody said that, by the way. Don't anybody ever try to say that. I don't like how you do that. Well, I don't care what you like. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I'm like, the, like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it anyway. So there's, a, there's an order. Here it is. Problems go to elders to help you. If it's just inward issues, deal with it in a mature way. The next thing that the Bible says that we should do, if I can get us to go over to the message, is that we need to submit to each other. We spent a lot of time talking about that today. But it says, clothe yourselves with humility. Everybody say, clothe yourself with humility. Look at your neighbor and say, you better clothe yourself. Come on, clothe yourself. I got another singing preacher up here. Clothe yourself with humility. We've talked about that today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But that's the way I'm supposed to be with you. I don't have permission to be rude. I don't have permission to be rude to my children. We should be humble wherever we go. Psalms 8411. Let's just turn there quickly in closing. Psalms 8411. I just want to read it out. will bless you. Why do we want to walk in humility? Well, God commanded it, and number two, God will bless it. Don't ask God to bless what he said he would curse. If God said, I'm against the proud, don't be proud, and then ask God to bless your family. See, the Bible says God resists the proud. Can I get an example from, from Andrew right here? We're going to do this like half strength, okay? Because if you go full strength on me, you're going to like go full throttle and push me to the wall let's stand back a little bit more. Stand back. There we go. You're ready. You're ready. Look at this beast right here. So the Bible says what we just read, that God resists the proud. So let's pretend this is your blessing right here. This is your raise and promotion or whatever God has for you or debt-free mortgage. It's paid off. And, And you're asking God to do that thing for you but yet you're being prideful at home. Not talking to Andrew, just as an example, right? He's a great husband. Now go towards this, about half strength. See, the Bible says God resists the proud, but he he does what with the humble? Gives grace. Hey, man, let me hook you up. So which one do you want? Do you want, yes. Do you want the hookup of God or do you want the resistance of God? Let's give it up for Drewski. Thank you. Look at what Psalm 8411 says. Oh, I love this scripture. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor, grace, and honor. No good thing does he withhold from whose walk is blameless. Oh, he won't withhold any good thing from us. Don't be on the resistant side of God. Be on the grace side. And the last thing that I want us to see today is that, can you put up the notes, please, is that God wants us to humble ourselves to Him. Now, remember, I think there's an important order here. I need the message up, please. I think there's an important order. Look at what it says. Humble yourselves in church, with each other, and with God. Why doesn't it start off saying, humble yourself with God, with others, and then lastly, with church? Because I believe it's in church we learn to humble ourselves and understand what it means to submit to God. You got out your Bibles today, isn't that awesome? You got your pens, your notes, you're paying attention, because we're representing the culture of Christ. We learn it. You know, before I ever held a microphone, I sat just like you, wow, I'm learning scripture. I'm learning what God is saying. I'm learning how to understand this. That's why as your pastor, I don't ever want to stop learning. I might get two doctorates. By the time I get to heaven, here's my goal. I want to write 50 books. I've already wrote close to 10 in 10 years, and my goal is to write 40 more. How many believe we can do it? Now, do you know what it takes to write 50 books, 40 more? It takes that much more study. It takes that much more intensive growth. I want to challenge all of us to see ourselves growing in God as we're growing in humility. Why? Think of your Lord and Savior, Jesus. How many think he's a good example? How many think we should follow Jesus? How many think he's better than all the politicians? How many think he's better than all the movie stars, all the basketball stars? I'm following Jesus, amen? When Jesus came here as a man, he didn't start as a grown man. He started off as a baby. Somebody say humility. He learned from his parents. He He didn't just pretend to learn, he actually learned. The Bible says whatever we call the omniscience of God, the all-knowing of God, he limited so that he would experience just like us as a man would experience growth. And the Bible says, and the child, Jesus, grew and became strong. All right, Jesus, how did you get strong? Did you just go to the gym all the time? Did you pump yourself up? How did you get strong, Jesus? He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You see, he was humble to grow in wisdom and grace. That's what it took when Jesus came to earth. How much more so should we have the same humility of Christ and say, yeah, I'm going to grow in wisdom. I don't know everything about being a parent. I'm going to learn. How many wanted to go out today and join my wife and I as we join the marriage life group and strengthen their marriage? Because I don't know everything about marriage. Amen. My wife and I are coming today. Amen. I don't know. I'm going to drop the kids off somewhere. But we going because I want to learn from Daryl. I want to learn from somebody how to have a good marriage. I want to learn from people different than me because I already know what I know, but I don't know what you know. Amen. And I want to grow in grace. I want you to be able to see in me as I see in you. Man, Pastor, you're getting so much nicer. Every time people come to the church, no matter when it's been, they always say, Pastor, you just seem to be getting nicer. Now, if you don't think I'm getting nicer, you got to stick around a little longer because the change is coming. There's another seasonal change coming. So if you came right at this, this mountain peak of intensity, trust me, there's a change coming. Because at first I thought it weird. Uh, you know, people have been around the church for a year. They say, man, when I first came, you were tough. But you're nicer now. But then I would see people come at the second and third year. And around the fifth anniversary, they're saying, man, you're changing. And I began to realize, well, that's because I'm becoming like Christ. More and more grace. Amen. More and more kindness. The more I can forgive myself, the more I'll forgive you. See, if I hate myself, I'm going to hate you. If I'm not good to myself, I won't be good to you. So I started to learn to be kind to myself and lighten up on myself and give myself a break and not try to be a perfectionist, but find my perfection in Christ. And when I did that, I could be patient with you and patient with my wife when she doesn't put the toilet paper roll the way I need it in the morning. Amen? She flips it backwards like that because the kids mess it up. but I'm like, Daddy, needed it a certain way. And and just the way, you know, sometimes, you know, the way you do things can annoy me, but I'm realizing there's more grace. There's more grace. Amen. Let's all stand up and give God a hand clap of prayer. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? Grace for the humble. And the humble get more grace. Where do you need grace today? Do you see the road of humility? Where do you need it? Come on, right before we close. Right now, everybody look up at me, please. Where do you need God's grace? On your job, in your family, in your home, in your finances? Where do you need the favor of God? God's help. Okay. Come on, think about it. Where is that at? Where is that? I'm just going to start with our marriage right now. I need help. Not that there's something wrong. I just want to be better. Right? I want to do it better. Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking about my marriage. Now let's pray. Close our eyes. This is a way of concentrating. That's all close your eyes means. You're never going to find it in the Bible. It's just a cultural thing we do so we're not distracted. And now ask God to show you as you meditate on that thing you need grace in. For me, it's my marriage. Meditate on your marriage. And now ask God to show you a path of humility to receive a blessing, His favor, His grace in that area. Just think on it right now. I'm going to try not to interrupt with my thoughts, but I think I might just have to help some of you as you're new to this. See, the moment I close my eyes and I think about my wife, I think about the little things that I find in her that bother me and I shouldn't let them bother me. You know, like little things. You know how we turn on the lights. You know, we have bright lights in our house and then we have a dim light in our bedroom. And she likes the bright lights on. And I have to be careful not to get upset when I come in. Why we got the bright lights on? Put on the dim lights. I know it sounds so dumb, right? But that's, isn't that what marriage is? It's those things. Okay, but that's what comes to me. Now, where does God speak to me? He just says, let it go. I don't know about you, but that's how God speaks to me. Let it go. That's not something we're trying to change my wife over. Come on, meditate on an area you need grace in. And see if God can lead you to a place right now of blessing. A serious thing would be in my marriage having to make sure that I let my wife go to bed when she wants to because I'm a night owl. Encouraging her sleep as she wakes up early with our kids every day. Now I could do this with my job, pasturing you. You know, yesterday I came to the wedding late. I was so embarrassed, got stuck in traffic. I knew I should have left an hour and a half early, but I thought I could push it with an hour. And God spoke to me last night. I shouldn't have did that. They forgave me. They were so nice to me. But God showed me there was a better way. He's going to help me. He's going to teach me. Come on, 30 more seconds. You in an area of your life, maybe change it up now to another area. Where is grace and humility at in your life? Where is God pointing? What direction is He leading you in? What ways are going to change? Come on, 15 more seconds. It's your life that's that we're focused on. You, right now, you matter to God. That job that you're working tomorrow, it matters to God. Your family, your children, your finances, it matters to God. And there's grace for you. There's a path of blessing for you. Five more seconds. Show me, Jesus. Show me how I should do this. Show me the humble path. Show me how to go down so I can go up. Show me how to be last so I can be first. Show me how I can serve so that I can be a leader. Show me, God, who I am, what am I to do, how I'm to live. I'm going to ask now that my wife would close us out. Would you look up at me before she prays? I thank you guys for coming and sticking with us. Even sometimes when we got all these fans blown, I know it's hot. But if you need prayer, don't be in a hurry. Please don't. Don't leave so fast you forget to get prayer because they are grace workers. They're grace helpers. They just want to lift up your need with you so that you can feel encouragement. You know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there's God. He's right there with us. So as my wife closes out, the band's going to sing a song. If you need help in any of those areas, just want advice, come up to some of the elders and deacons here today. Thank
5: you. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we bless your name this morning, O oh God. We want to say thank you for your grace, for your favor over our lives we submit to you, Lord God, and we walk in your favor. We thank you, Lord, that we have the mind of Christ, that because you came, Jesus, and died on that cross, we have all that we need. You have given us all that we need for life and Godliness. I pray for grace in our marriages, grace to be parents, grace to be children, O oh Lord. Grace, God, to serve in the church, to humble ourselves to each other, to elders and to you, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh God, that you lead us this week. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, convict us when we're wrong. And I pray that we would choose to walk in humility all the days of our lives. Give us the grace, the strength and the power to do it, to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And what he said? Amen and amen.
7: You are dismissed. Have a great week. If you need prayer, come on up or sing this out with us. You are dismissed. God bless you. I want more of you, God. Set a fire. No place Oh, no place.
1: There's no place i
7: rather. If you need prayer,
1: come on up.